Hi, listeners. Welcome to Not Somali Mormon Podcast. Oh, hello. Welcome back. I'm trying to do a soothing voice. Welcome back, listeners. This is hello. Sarah. And this is Katie. Welcome to our services. Welcome. Welcome. It kind of reminds me of that skit from SNL about uh, sweaty balls. Have you seen that one? <laughs> I have, yes. It's delightful. They're just so round and, you know, melt in your mouth and so salty. <laughs> salty to the taste. Do you like those, Sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> I feel like the people who are listeners who are not American are be like, what the hell are they referencing? But anyone who's American, you better get that joke, because that is one of my favorite SNL skits of all times. But yes, this is a good one. <laughs> balls. I can't remember her, what's her name in real life? Anna? Anna uh, Ferris? No, the lady who does the, with uh, Molly Shannon. Oh, um, Anna Figueret, no, Anna, ugh, listeners, if you know, send it to us. (laughs) I'm having a brain fart. I know, what's happening? Anywho, Katie, how was your weekend? It was great, Sarah, how was your weekend? (laughs) It was delightful, this isn't staged at all, we're not trying to just make conversation and time legitimate, this is me (laughs) just asking how Katie's doing. Um, no, my weekend was delightful. I, uh, watched The Lion King on Friday night. Nice. Did you like it? Um, I was a little, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I was a little underwhelmed, actually. Like, it was, it was really good. Like, the, the actual quality of the movie and, like, this, everything was, like, the humor was on point. It was, like, amazing, I don't know if graphics are the right words, but it looked amazing. Like, it was really fun to watch. But I expected a lot more from the soundtrack because my Queen Bee was, you know, like, on it and producing it and Childish Gambino. But I was just a bit like, meh. I don't know. It was sad. Uh I mean, it was still amazing and the songs were so great. But I think I, like, went into it thinking that I was going to, like, be listening to a Beyonce concert. And that's obviously not the case. So... Anyways. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to see it. So. No, no, you definitely should. Like, I, I say all this shit, but I'm 100% going to go watch it again. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 it's not that great. It's underwhelming. Blah, blah, blah. But, no, I'm still going to watch it again. And I kind of think that maybe <laughs> listeners are like, bitches, get to the point. Um, but maybe if I listen to the soundtrack, I will like it more. Maybe it was just like the few clips they had in this, in the movie that I just wasn't blown away by. I don't yeah. know. It happens. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Um, by the way, I think it's, is it like Anna Gasteyer or something? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. It is. She's hilarious. Okay. So anyway. funny. She That's always awesome. plays Martha Stewart as well. She's, on the SNL sketch. She's amazing. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to give you all my details of my weekend. I know you didn't ask for him, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. After The Lion King, I got really drunk, um, which was delightful. First time experience on four Euro cocktails. Yay! What kind of... Were they... Wait, let me guess. Gin and tonic? No. Oh. No. I don't know if you're going to guess. Well, one of them, I had two. I mixed them. Like, I, you know, you're not supposed to really mix them, but I did. I had one that had gin in it. Does that help? Um, no. 
I had a gin fizz, which oh, I never had fizz. before. Is that the one with the egg white? Like where they yeah. shake up the egg white so it's like frothy? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Here's the, here's the story behind that. My boyfriend's mom posted on Facebook that she just had like a delicious gin fizz. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks so yummy. And like, I want that in my mouth right now. So okay. when I went to this this place after the movies and they had it on the cocktail menu, I was like, gin fizz. And they brought it out and it looked nothing like her pictures. So I took a picture of it and drunkenly messaged his mom. <laughs> nice. Appropriate. I was like, my gin fizz doesn't look like the one that you posted on Facebook. <laughs> But it's still a gin fizz, and I like it. So drink up cheers. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm so sorry if uh, she ever listens to this podcast. I apologize for sending you a drunk message about gin fizz. Um, No, she was cute and (laughs) responsive. No apologies. No apologies. (laughs) She was adorable. I was like, yeah, it was fine. But anyways. um, We've done enough apologizing as Mormons for things that we no longer need to apologize for drunk trips. (laughs) Exactly. And she's lovely and didn't care. So it was great. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then, oh, I told you this already. Game of Thrones. Guys, listeners, I know I'm like 10,000 years behind. But I'm finally watching Game of Thrones. How far in are you? So here's the story. I watched season one through three or four when I first left the church. So it was like my way of rebelling. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. I told my boyfriend that. It's like like a very rebellious show to watch because of the nudity and the language, I suppose. Oh, yeah. It was like my buffer before I started drinking, before I st- I even ever watched porn or even thought about, like, anything sexual with a guy, like, outside of marriage or even – I think I'd only, at this point, maybe had made out with a non-Mormon guy. I can't really remember. But, um, I yeah, so right when I left, I was like, Okay, um, I guess I can watch Game of Thrones now. <laughs> Game of Thrones was your gateway drug. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I was like, I guess because I'm not Mormon now, I can watch it. And I, you, guys, I shit you not. Like, I struggled to watch the first episode. Like, I had to close my laptop because I was like, this is this is too much. It's too, I feel oh, this is a sin. This is bad. This is oh, bad. Man. Too much oh. sex in here too many titties everywhere and vaginas and everything I don't know what to do so eventually I started I tried it again and then I don't know if I couldn't get into it because I felt guilty I kind of wonder if that's what it is like if I was just kind of like I don't really like it I'm just gonna pay attention like put it on the background and not like watch it intently or I don't know, I just never got into it. And then everyone, I talked to you and you're like, no, 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 you should definitely give it another try. Like the the later seasons are better. Mm-hmm. So we uh, <laughs> were so cheap. We got HBO trial for seven days. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're going to binge watch because have you seen listeners? Another suggestion. I promise we will get to the point. But these are all valid points for anyone who's a binge watcher. Okay. Which is like. <laughs> 99% of the people who are listening. I know it has to be true. Raise your hand if you're a binge watcher. We can see you. Raise your hand. <laughs> um, Chernobyl. Have you seen oh, that? 
Yes, it blew my mind and also made me really upset at the same time. I'm not going to give anything away for the listeners, but yes, that was intense and it was really good, but crazy. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I, it was, it was insane. I don't even know how to explain it, but everyone should listen, or listen, (laughs) should go watch it if you have it. So anyways, point is, we got HBO to watch that, and then we're like, oh, we have a few more days. What else should we watch? Let's do Game of Thrones. And I was like, oh, this is so stupid. (laughs) And then after the second episode, this is the worst. And then let's try, like, ten episodes later. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't go to sleep. We need to know what happens. Like, what's going on? What's going to happen? I need to know. I need to know. I want to be a dragon, a mother of dragons. Like, that's my new calling in life. (laughs) So, yeah, so we have two episodes left. So no one spoil it for me or I will fucking punch you in the face. Not really. I love you, but don't do it. Um, Because I know it's, like, a big out cry outcry is that the word um outrage everyone's so pissed about the last episode the season finale yeah series finale so i'm i'm anticipating i will be very angry by thursday but we'll see yeah yeah you'll have to let us know i won't say anything (laughs) anyways geez katie could you wrap it up you've been talking (laughs) for 20 minutes about shit that's not even (laughs) i love that i gave you a play-by-play of my weekend we love it we're here for it (laughs) guys I just have a lot of feelings a lot of feelings and suggestions and also I just want to share goodness with everyone but I'm always like 10,000 years behind like everyone's like I've already seen that 10 years ago and you're like oh all right sorry it's okay you can catch up and then we can talk about it and yeah yeah any other suggestions you have for me to watch now that I have HBO for two more days? <laughs> um, there was something. Oh, what was it that was on HBO? I'll have to think about it because I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But there are some good documentaries on HBO. Speaking um, of which, listeners and Katie. Yes. I made my boyfriend watch Abducted in Plain Sight. Cause I he just hasn't seen it yet? see his reaction and I was like please can we just watch it and he's like oh, okay guys he was so shocked like he just couldn't like like I mean I'm so shocked every time I watch it and actually I found out like I watched it with him for the second time and I was like oh I didn't pick up on that and I didn't pick up mm-hmm. on that so I was yeah. just blown away when I watched it the second time mm-hmm. and just can't I can't get over it like it's so ridiculous it never stops being full-blown batshit crazy I know (laughs) it's just like yeah I I don't even have words like the fact that they just allow that to happen because they were a Mormons and trying to like protect their reputation and then also the fact that like how corrupt that the bishops knew that mm-hmm. he's a pedophile and no one ever said anything no like, one ever reported I, it to the police I know oh I can't anyways sorry I think I'm I'm done with my <laughs> chatty Kathy corner um, <laughs> uh that's okay I have Well, I have sort of some announcements. We wanted to shout out to our patron, Bridget. She uh, upped her pledge just recently to um, higher than our max, like our max amount at the moment. So thank you, Bridget. And we also wanted to shout out. 
Yeah. We also wanted to shout out to Joanne. She sent us an email with like suggestions for topics and she also had um a lot of other cool stuff in there that we can probably focus on in later episodes. So thanks, Joanne. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Joanne and Bridget. You guys are amazing. And also thanks for everyone who um well as always, thanks for listening and supporting and our yes our other patrons who are monthly as well. They thank you for that. And mm-hmm. uh also um the ratings. I checked again the other day, and we've gone, we've gotten a few more. So thank you for doing you that because nice. it's helping us. It does. It helps us reach more people. Um, if you want to join us on Patreon, in case you didn't know, we're Patreon.com/slash/NotSoMollyMormon. Um, you have to type that all the way in. You can't search for us because we say swear words. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do that. Or, you know, give us a rating or review. That's a nice one. Only five stars. If you hate us, don't don't rate us, okay? <laughs> you just rhymed. If you hate us, don't rate us. <laughs> also, the trolls we've been getting this week were making me giggle. Guys, there's nothing that makes me happier than getting <laughs> the time difference. I usually wake up to these trolls, and Katie's <laughs> gone to bed. So, literally, I wake up. It I read them. I get super pissed off. And then instantly I get like really happy because I know that when Katie wakes up, she's going to send back the best response ever. And I just sit and I wait in anticipation. I'm like, ooh, what's she going to write this time? What's it going to be? And I just get so excited. So thank you for leaving that to me because it does bring me joy. It's like, it fills me with life when I can just respond to they, they, um, they always end up stop. They end up like stopping the conversation. They stop replying or sometimes they block us, which is dumb, but which is my favorite. Cause I'm like, you do know you pick the fight. Like you they always to the fight. us. Yeah. We initiate it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to block us like a two year old. I mean, I say that and I used to be like the world's worst blocker ever. Mm-hmm. It was an issue, you guys. <laughs> if I was dating a guy and I just was like, I'm over, I'm blocking you. And then I was just dramatic. So, yeah. But in this case, I don't do that anymore. I've grown up. I'm like a mature woman. So <laughs> I don't block people anymore. but I especially wouldn't go to their page and then block them (laughs) right I know and send them a personal message about why they should anyways (laughs) haters um I think that's all all the updates guys Cool. cool well for today's show I'm gonna be reading a uh talk given by a general authority and Sarah's well, both of us re- will react, but Sarah hasn't read this talk or heard it. At least I'm, I don't think you have. Um, um, no, if it's been published in the last two years, Defo's not. Yeah, and it's ridiculous, and I think it's funny and also super upsetting. Um, so this is a good taste, um, kind of a good, I guess, overview of what general authorities tell like people in their talks. This one was given in 2017 by Quentin L. Cook. And this was at a BYU devotional. So it was to like all the BYU kids. Wait, okay. So 2017, I'm trying to think of where I was in my life. 
Where were you in my life? Um, was it, what month was it? February. Oh my, no, that was like, oh my god, is that when we started recording? But we started recording February 2018. Yeah. Okay, so I had just left and was on the hunt for the D. I think that's what it was. (laughs) On the hunt for the ding dong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. Which, by the way, why, you know what really bothers me? This is a very petty thing to be bothered about. But why do all of the damn apostles have to have their middle initial or, like, some initial somewhere? Why can't they just go by their regular name? It's so annoying. I don't get it either. I'm just going to start calling you, like, by your middle initial, too. Like, you're Maybe, like, Sarah S. Sarah Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I think it, it's because it makes them seem more important or something, which is why I find joy when I, if I'm ever talking about the apostles to a Mormon person, I find joy with just calling them by their regular name without the initial, and I can tell it kind of bothers them. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like, so you have to always say Elder and, like, right, yeah, so right. like Elder Quentin L. Cook or whatever his name is. It's like, yeah. why not just say Quentin, like... Exactly. That's what I do with how they say Elder Dallin H. Oaks. And I just call him Oaks because I'm like, no, (laughs) the dignity. I hate that man. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Oh, this is kind of a side note. But for people who are listeners from the very beginning, when my friend Jay was on the podcast, so he's my like closest friend here in Berlin, gay man, raised in Mississippi, blah, 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 blah. He knew me as a Mormon. And then, obviously, now I'm not a Mormon member, but it doesn't matter. Anyways, he was messaging me about, we were talking about something. He's in the States right now, and he was talking about a decision he's he's trying to make. And I was like, well, I don't know what you should do. And he's like, I reckon not to pray to Celestial Jesus about it. <laughs> and I was like, Celestial Jesus doesn't like your people, you know, the gay folk. And he was like, yes, yes, uh, this is true. Maybe you can pray on my behalf. Or where he's like, or break out your garments and <laughs> start praying. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, it made me giggle so much. So anyways, <laughs> shout out. I also saw where someone, guys, I don't, my brain is like totally shit lately. But either on a review or an email or a, or a comment or a Instagram message. I don't know. One of the forms of communication that uh, gave a shout out to Allie and how they really enjoyed the episode mm-hmm. that he was in. So yeah, was I, nice. I, I, need actually, to... I actually think that was Joanne, too. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, she said that she liked Allie's episode, so we should have him back on. We That's should, so although he's in Chicago now. So right. lame. <laughs> um, but Get yeah, no, very <laughs> nice, Joanne. Um, I will be sure to let him know because he's always like, why can't I be on the podcast again? When am I going to be on the podcast again? It's always when he's drunk. And I'm like, Allie, we don't live on the same continent anymore. So (laughs) a little tricky. I know, right? (laughs) But anyways. Oh, but next week, hopefully my friend and number one listener, Karen, will be on the show. That's exciting. That's right. right. Prepping for that. Okay, sorry. Back on track. Okay. Okay, so this talk, this devotional talk, has a very short and simple 
title. Ooh, I can't wait. A banquet of consequences, the cumulative result of all choices. <laughs> what in the actual fuck? I stopped listening after the first word. What was that again? Like, I can't even process. A banquet of consequences, the cumulative result of all choices. Wow. All right, you're in for a gem. You ready? Also, I'm not going to lie. As soon as he said banquet, I was like, ooh, it's a big feast with wine and beer. And like I know. That you're not supposed <laughs> to think about. Okay, continue. Okay, here he goes. One of the most cunning aspects of the adversary's efforts to thwart our Father in Heaven's plan of happiness is his deceitful teaching that there is no evil influence or devil and his attempt to redefine evil as good and good as evil, darkness as light and light as darkness and bitter as sweet and sweet as bitter. That's how he opens. Ugh. So, first of all, he's asserting that there is most definitely a devil and that his greatest, (laughs) like, his most cunning thing he's done is to convince people he doesn't exist. (laughs) Wow. It just, it makes me, like, immediately picture this, like, cartoon, like, maybe like a South Park character, I don't know. In my head of like a, a god who's just like, oh my god, how I'm so bored. Let me make up some drama. <laughs> and you know what? That's it. Like, yeah. sorry guys for the kids' background noise right now. My windows are open and there's like kids playing in the courtyard who are crying. So I did not smuggle them into my room. <laughs> um, if you're wondering why there is a child crying in the background. It's not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like what what kind of god just like is like, you know what? Like, uh, I gotta, yeah, this, this devil, I tell ya, or like what devil is thinking like, oh, I gotta trick them so bad. I gotta do it so bad. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to convince them that I'm not real. Mm-hmm. In reality, I am real. And, and then, then I'm going to convince them that everything that is good is actually evil and uh, everything that's evil is actually good. That's just what, uh, I can't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bittersweet thing, Katie. But sweet is bitter, or bitter is sweet. I don't know. I can't tell. I don't know anymore because I'm influenced by the devil. (laughs) Someone was like, there, what's the name of that that term that's like when opposites, like bittersweet or blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't think of in time. And someone got to oxymoron before me. And I was like, God damn it. That's the only thing I'm good at is grammar and knowing shit like this. And someone beat me to it. So sad. Damn it. <laughs> okay. Oh, Satan. He got to me. He did. It happened. Okay. He says, this is sometimes called a paradigm shift or when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way, thus portraying things to be exactly the opposite of what they really are. It just sounds like he's trying to confuse you on purpose. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, mm-mm. yeah. He says in his classic novel, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis wrote from a senior <laughs> devil's point of view. Lewis inverted traditional values using irony and satire to make evil appear good and good appear evil. He's really hammering down that good oh, appear like, evil thing. Oh my God. C.S. Lewis. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
In this vein, I had a provocative meeting with an internationally recognized advertising expert a few months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. He is unusually gifted and a creative thinker. We were discussing the influence of evil and the consequences of bad choices, because that's what you do in an advertising meeting with an internationally recognized expert. You talk about the influence of evil. (laughs) Oh, like, first of all, I kind of feel like this is made up, but I don't know. But you know what? I'm pretty certain that I read this article back in the day. This one? I, yeah, this all sounds so familiar to me. So I bet you this was right when I was like on the, is it cusp? Is that the name? Yeah, you read on the cusp of leaving. leaving. And maybe I read this to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't leave. Or I wonder if it was one of the like 20 articles that members sent me when I stopped going to church. Yeah, maybe. And I happened to read it. But anyways, it sounds super familiar to me. Because yeah. especially the line of like the advertising things, I remember thinking like, what in the fuck? What does this have to do with anything? And why <laughs> Why does he have to put in an internationally known? <laughs> because he's important. He has a middle initial. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this international expert, he said he envisioned an interesting hypothetical account of the adversary Lucifer meeting with an advertising agency. The adversary described his dilemma. He and his followers had rebelled and rejected the father's plan and had come to understand that they could not prevail against God. Lucifer understood that while the father's plan was about joy and happiness, his own plan was resulting in grief and misery. The problem, Lucifer explained to the ad executive, was how to attract followers. (laughs) Oh my god. To be an Instagram influencer, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I just imagine Lucifer like doing these makeup tutorials. God, I know. It'd be fabulous. Imagine him like laying on one of those blow up like flamingo pool floaties with like a daiquiri. Yes. (laughs) Hashtag Lord of Light. Light, light of the summer with hashtag Lord of Light. Hey, yeah. he needs help from this ad executive to get followers because <laughs> not the people are following. They're following stupid God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Someone needs to create Lucifer an Instagram account. Like, oh my I, God! I, I, I bet it exists. We should go look it up. <laughs> Okay, after contemplating this problem, it was determined that Lucifer's only hope of success was to achieve a paradigm shift or values inversion. In other words, to characterize the father's plan as resulting in grief and misery and Lucifer's plan as resulting in joy and happiness. Ugh. I don't know how they did that. I don't know. Some good uh, editing on Instagram? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) While this contemplated meeting with an advertising agency is hypothetical, it serves a useful purpose. The truth is, not only do the enemies of Father's plan attempt to undermine the doctrine and principles of the plan, but they also attempt to mischaracterize the blessings that flow from the plan. Their basic effort is to make that which is good, righteous, and joyful seem utterly miserable. I will discuss some of the adversary's efforts to mischaracterize and undermine the blessings of living according to the Father's plan. Oh, okay. Lord. I'm now so excited can... about these. 
Now he gets into the examples. <laughs> okay, remember he's talking to BYU students. So they're these kids between what the ages of like 18 and 22 or sometimes older. I guess older than that because of the mission. I was like, mm, that was 24 when I got 18 and like what, 26 maybe. <laughs> so they're all like young adults. Okay. He says, my first example is the word of wisdom. I fully recognize that you magnificent students understand the importance of the word of wisdom and have agreed on your honor to live by it. However, over the course of a lifetime, I have seen many of my friends' lives blighted and sometimes destroyed by alcohol. (laughs) Okay, I just want to say, you have seen many of your friends' lives destroyed? Like, like what? (laughs) I don't even know if you even have friends who aren't Mormon Quentin like and Uh yeah I think this is an exaggeration but also I hate when they do this like whole word of wisdom and then they pull out the most extreme example which is obviously someone who struggles with alcoholism or violence Mm -hmm. or whatever that has nothing to do with a religion or with following God or whatever like you can drink alcohol and it doesn't ruin your life 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, wow. you can and honestly having a glass of wine is good for you. You know, you obviously like balance it out and don't like have a ton, but like yeah, he's making it seem they they always go to that extreme of alcoholism yeah. and like things happening like yeah, abuse or whatever. And it's like that's not the norm. Like that's, exactly that's, or like if you start drinking, you're going to automatically turn into an alcoholic, which, I mean, it could happen to you. But the chances of that, it's not like everyone who drinks alcohol becomes addicted and oh, no. it's a horrible person. Like, no, like almost no. That doesn't happen to the majority of people. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It says alcohol culture isn't just about church doctrine. It is about the health and happiness of everyone. You can be an important voice in educating society about the consequences of this issue. Which uh, huge eye roll. Like that's just the whole like Mormon holier than thou stuff where, you know, the BYU kids feel like they can just go tell all the other kids their age, like you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, if, if you don't want to drink it, don't drink it, but don't force it on other people. Exactly. In the Father's Plan, the Word of Wisdom, Section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants, oh. given because of evils and designs of conspiring men, provides health principles. It is adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints. It sets forth particulars, including that wine or strong drink, i.e. alcohol, is not good. Uh. <laughs> So I guess for our listeners who have never been Mormon, we should probably point out that in the word of wisdom, it never specifically says the word alcohol. Never. And it actually says that you should drink wine with sacrament, but Mormons don't do that. They drink water. (laughs) Yep. But that's like another example of where they wildly and loosely interpret really (laughs) critical things. But then yeah. stuff like this, they're like, nope, no alcohol, no, no, no. Nope, nope, nope. Um, tobacco and hot drinks, i.e. tea and coffee, are not for the body. Right. <laughs> Again. But, yeah, you can have hot chocolate, which is hot. 
And you can yeah. have herbal and fruit tea. <laughs> yeah. But you can't have black tea? I don't understand. It makes absolutely no sense, but he's trying to make it make sense. This revelation also advocates wholesome health practices with a promise. It promises those acting in obedience to the divine command great physical and spiritual rewards. They shall receive health and shall find wisdom and great treasures of knowledge. Okay, Sarah, I wanted to ask you here. When you were a Mormon and, like, followed the word of wisdom, do you feel like you were significantly healthier or, like, more blessed or knowledgeable than you are now? No. Me neither. Um, I'm healthier now. I would say 100%. I'm, I mean, yeah, no, I think that's total bullshit. Because of anything, I was so fixated on dieting and exercising mm-hmm. and being this, like, perfect Mormon girl and making sure I was following the word of wisdom, but also that I physically, like, was super fit and, like, you know, I, I didn't want to be... I didn't want to look like I wasn't physically fit. And I also thought that if I exercise constantly and if I diet, like if I was on a strict diet all the time, that it would increase my knowledge or like how I studied for exams or help me um, do better in university or at work. And also essentially above all that, it would help me find a husband. And a terrible oh, yeah. 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 That was, like, my biggest, and I was so terrified of always, like, guys, like, this is next. I wouldn't eat in front of people, especially if it was Mormon guys, because I was always, like, they're judging me if I'm not eating, like, carrot sticks or, like, salads, or or I would just never eat on dates, ever. Um, so, yeah, so definitely was not healthier at that, at that point. Yeah, that's, that's unhealthier in both the physical and the mental state. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I need to point out, too, that, um, you know, he says here, it promises those acting in obedience will get physical and spiritual rewards. I just want to point out that I know many Mormons who are active and, like, very devoutly follow the word of wisdom, and they have chronic illnesses. or Exactly. They've gotten cancer, or they have something that just affects them that they can't help, and it's a very severe disease. Um, yet they adhere to this, like, you know, strictly. So it's it's just honestly dishonest. <laughs> it's dishonest to say that they will get these, like, physical rewards and will be healthy because that's just not true. That's 100% not true. And I always thought if I got sick or if anything happened to me, it was because I wasn't adhering to the word of wisdom enough or I wasn't trying to be healthy enough and like I wasn't dieting enough I wasn't doing this and this and I was like god cursing me type thing and and then they also because they use these stupid examples and like general conference and ensign the ensign magazine um there's that one with with Uxorf who talks about how like his basic training and like how he was like struggling. Do you remember this one? How he's like struggling to to finish the task, like the running task, and everyone oh. else was like excelling and doing such a great job, and they were all smoking, and he was like frustrated because he's like, oh, like God, I don't get it. I'm, you know, trying and I'm applying the word of wisdom to my life, and these guys are smoking and they're all beating me in the runs and blah blah blah, and he's like, but it wasn't about. <laughs> 
it wasn't about that race in that moment. It was about the long race of life. I'm totally like <laughs> paraphrasing and putting words in his mouth. No, I, yeah. But it was like, you know, my my fellow comrades, they, you know, got lung cancer, whatever, and I'm still alive and did it, whatever it was, basically saying that like, yeah, like he didn't have like instant blessings at that moment, but it worked out for him in the long run and blah, 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 blah. You know, I've never really thought about it this way until I heard you say that, but that's really actually pretty douchey. Like, to oh, say, yeah. like, oh, well, they got lung cancer and died, and I didn't like, why? Would I mean, you maybe he didn't up? say that, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm well, saying they, they got, said a, that, but they got some... affected, they were affected somehow negatively, and he was talking. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was like the whole point, and you're just like, oh, huh. <laughs> it's always these dumbass like stories that they share, <laughs> that they like try to make you feel like, oh, and that's the moral <laughs> of the story. Listen to my anecdote that I wild, wildly over exaggerate <laughs> and take it as doctrine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this distortion paradigm shift. I he he loves using that word. That's right. Pissing me off so much though. Yeah. What a pretentious cunt. <laughs> like, get over yourself. Yeah. That the adversary util- utilizes is clearly illustrated by his advocacy for tobacco and alcohol. So not only is Satan like an Instagram influencer, he's also apparently an ad advocacy an advocator for tobacco and alcohol. <laughs> I did like I feel like with Lucifer with his Instagram <laughs> is like a hot Bacardi girl. Yes, like <laughs> Bacardi. Oh my god, or he's gonna do the next fire festival. Oh my oh my word, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I make myself laugh. We're so funny. We're hilarious. Okay. Even the hypothetical advertising agency would have a hard time casting tobacco in a favorable light today. The word of wisdom revelation was received in 1833. In 1921, President Heber J. Grant, inspired by the Lord, called Uh, on all saints to more fully live the word of wisdom. So, yeah, listeners, if you didn't know this, the word of wisdom was, quote unquote, received in 1833 by Joseph Smith. He claimed it was revelation. Actually, it was just a bunch of shit he made up. But then <laughs> it was almost 100 years later, 1921, was when Heber J. Grant said that they should actually follow it. So that whole entire time, people were still drinking and smoking. Like, Brigham Young had a freaking distillery. So, yeah, it. I feel like if it was actually revealed by god in 1833 why didn't they follow it till 1921 oh my god i didn't know that (laughs) yeah crazy right that's such shady fuck like if i knew that when i was a mormon i would have oh man i would have been drinking coffee and tea (laughs) and alcohol way before because i would have been like well then that doesn't make any sense like yeah like joseph smith didn't even follow this supposed revelation like he still drank and smoke like well I don't know if he drank I think he did smoke though but I think he drank wine anyway I thought he did drink yeah I thought he did like whiskey and stuff or maybe yeah, where am yeah. I pulling that out but I thought I that think he you're did right. yeah I think they and all he did. dipped right yes, that was the whole yes, thing right. mm-hmm. yep 
Okay, so in 1921, at that time, mass marketing and glamorization in the movies made cigarette smoking appear fashionable, sophisticated, and fun. It wasn't until 1964, 43 years later, that the Surgeon General of the United States concluded cigarette smoking is a health hazard of sufficient importance in the United States to warrant appropriate remedial action. Uh, so I guess what he's trying to say there is that the Mormon church was ahead of the times by telling people to <laughs> smoke in 1921 when it's like, I think people kind of knew, like, <laughs> probably shouldn't be putting, I don't know, inhaling something into your lungs. But I mean, uh, whatever, whatever. Um, this is the statistics today with respect to cigarette smoking are not in dispute. Smokers are more likely than non-smokers to develop heart disease, stroke, and lung cancer. It's estimated to increase the risk of lung cancer. Blah, 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 blah. But like, I, so he just says that. And I just think that's annoying because he was talking about alcohol and now he's just like lumping it in with cigarette smoke, smoking, which like, granted, I think drinking alcohol in excess obviously can be bad for you, but Taking anything in excess is bad, right? And I don't like, think that alcohol and cigarettes are on the same playing field because cigarettes are, like, quite bad for your health, even if you just have one, whereas, like, alcohol, if you just have, like, a glass of wine with dinner is actually beneficial for you. So they're not, like, the same on the same playing field that he's putting them on. No, and honest to God, I mean, maybe we have listeners who are, like, dietitians or doctors who know better than me, but... I just can't imagine a large fucking, what's it called from 7-Eleven's, big gulp of oh, Coke yeah. or Diet Coke or whatever kind of soda being better for you than a glass of red wine with your meal at night. Like, no, I just, it's not. I can't. I, yeah, you know? I feel like beer, like beer is even better for you. I feel like a lot of things would be better for you than soda. Yeah. And yeah, he's not talking about that. <laughs> nope. Okay. And Coca-Cola so and all that shit was around at that time, too. So <laughs> yeah, if yeah. God, like, was really inspired <laughs> and wanted to, like, tell people not to fuck up their health, then why would he not be like, oh, and also Coca-Cola and Pepsi and shit is bad for you. Hashtag we want to get sponsors from Coca-Cola. So don't don't hate us. <laughs> <laughs> I love Coke. I just had a glass today. <laughs> But no, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Oh, totally. Well, and all the... You know, there's lots of things that God could say that are bad for you, you know? Like, eating... Like, we've talked about before, Sarah. Like, eating fast food often, you know, occasionally is, like, not that great for you. Or, like, yeah, drinking soda. Like, eating sugar, which, you know, a lot of people do. Like, you just have to find moderation. But they find these specific things to hone in on. And it's not really, like, balanced. No, not at all. And there's just, like, no evidence behind it, especially, like, the the tea thing. Actually, so, oh, yeah, yeah. as you guys know, my, my boyfriend is English, so he usually drinks, like, tea instead of coffee. But, like, he drinks a lot of tea. And he was, like, we were talking about it the other day, and he's, like, but, but tea is so much better than coffee or soda, like, or especially soda. And I was, like, well, we were taught that it tans your your bladder. And he's, like, what? <laughs> I was, like, yeah, as a Mormon, I was always taught that, like, tea was, like, would basically turn your bladder into leather and that it tans your bladder and it causes all these problems and blah, 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 blah. And he's, like, I'm sure it does tan your bladder, but it doesn't, like, do it to the point where it causes any health issues. 
Like, it's not, like, there's no evidence suggesting that, you know? Like, it's it's fine. And there's Uh, evidence that lots of kinds of teas are actually very good for you. Exactly. (laughs) But, yeah, it was just funny because, like, that was the first response I had to give him because it's the one that I've been, like, brainwashed my entire life to answering, like, why we don't drink tea. It's because it tans your bladder. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Okay. Alcohol is another example. Think again of the adversary's campaign and of how BYU's honor code has been portrayed. We are all pleased that BYU consistently rates as the highest stone-cold sober school. AKA losers. Oh my God. <laughs> They're pleased to be the most boring school. <laughs> I um, got made fun of so much because of that shit. My family would thin me those all the time or my friends and be like, looks like BYU is partying it up this year. I'm like, shut up. So get boring. your Coke. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then I don't know why he does this, but then he goes, the word stone as an adverb can mean entirely, utterly. Cold as an adverb can mean with utter finality, absolutely, completely. And sober can be defined as alcoholic abstinence. Thanks oh. a lot, Quentin. We didn't know what words meant. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Quentin. I'm glad that you're like a dictionary these days. Fucking Miriam Dictionary. <laughs> the poor BYU students, they're like, what, do you think we're stupid? <laughs> uh. um, some other schools are identified as party schools, which is understood to mean they have alcohol parties. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how he said alcohol parties. Like, you want to go to an alcohol party tonight? No, I'm going to do a marijuana party instead. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm going to do an ecstasy party. Oh, no, I'm more about some cocaine tonight. That's my party. It's a cocaine party. Alcohol party. Uh, Oh, my my God. And then he says, party. Can I also just comment on the fact that, like, I just made this connection. I find it hilarious that he's calling that out. But then it also showcases that, like, People who go to universities outside of BYU get fucking shit face every weekend and still oh, manage to go to a great university and make the same grades as BYU students yeah. who don't do any of that. It's like part of the university or college experience and they they still are just as successful, um, you know, for the most part. And there's some people at BYU that don't do well, even if they don't drink alcohol. So. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, but don't worry, Sarah. He says party is defined as a gathering for social entertainment or the entertainment itself. <laughs> Why do you think that everyone at BYU is stupid? Like, I don't know. <laughs> to the average young person looking for higher education, particularly those not of our faith, stone cold sober might sound like misery and party might sound like having fun and being joyful. Um, yeah, Quentin. <laughs> because it is, you dumbass. It's not like a fucking Mormon dance that they forced you to go to that every time I left, I was like, God, I'm never going to oh, one of these so social worse. gatherings again. So worse. Yeah, and they. this is a... He makes it seem like the other way is the normal and correct way when the reality of it is, is the parties are fun and the Stone Cold Sober is not fun. But he's trying to he's trying to paradigm shift us around to think that it is the opposite. He's actually being the devil here. 
Oh, Quentin. Oh, man. So, um, let's see. He said, in the last two or three years, many universities across the world have been trying to diminish alcohol use because of its connection to serious antisocial behaviors, including sexual assault. So, what? So, okay, this pisses me off because, uh, okay, okay, I, I've said this before and I'll say it a million times. If um if someone is going to sexually assault, oh, it's usually a woman, you know, a woman that gets assaulted. Like that man, no matter how much he's been drinking, like if he's sober and he would be, you know, he would never like rape a woman. He's not going to rape a woman once he gets drunk. Like if you're a good guy, you're not just going to accidentally do it when you're drunk. Like you have to already have that intention. You know oh, what I mean? Like, and same thing with and like the women it's not their fault if they get too drunk and a man or whoever takes advantage of them. Like that's not their fault. And this is another kind of like victim blaming, blame on the alcohol when actually the problem is with the rapist. Exactly. <laughs> it's not the alcohol. Like that like, makes me so like, angry. Think of, like think of all like the good guys in your life, like your boyfriend, like all your best like guy friends. And they would never rape a woman and they would no matter how drunk they got like they might say something stupid or do something silly but they would never rape a woman because they're good people and so they can't you can't blame it on the alcohol and he's that's what he's doing here is like try to diminish alcohol use because it up sexual assault like no men just are shitty and blame the alcohol when they sexually assault someone and you know what? And like speaking to that as well is when you hear all that shit growing up in the church and as a woman, when you first like, so when I left and I first started drinking and I think I've mentioned this before on other episodes, but when I was sexually assaulted at a party or event, like I, my first thought was to myself, well, you were drunk. So yeah, it's your fault. And it was like that that mm. instant of like, okay, the church told me my whole life that if I drink, that that's what's going to happen. And so I did this to myself. Like I put myself in this situation. I allowed it to happen because Ugh. I was drinking and because I was wearing a, sh- a tight fitted shirt. Those are the mm. two things I blame myself for. Oh my God. And it was because of the church and especially this alcohol talk that you hear constantly growing up. That if you drink, your judgment will be cloudy and essentially something bad will happen to you. But it's on you because you chose to drink. It's it's just so horrible. It's like it's like saying, like, what if you were on a bus and you were sober, but say you had some kind of an episode or like you passed out and the person, the man next to you on the bus sexually assaulted you, they would just say like, well, it was your fault. You weren't like aware, you know, maybe you forgot to take your medication that day and you passed out. So it's your fault that you got assaulted. Like, no, that's not, (laughs) no one's entitled to your body, no matter what state of intoxication you are. Exactly. And it's not your fault. Like, exactly. If you are the victim, it doesn't matter if you drank alcohol or not. It's not your fault. Yeah, alcohol did not cause anyone to rape you or assault you. No, sorry, sorry, Quentin L. Cook. Yeah. Oh, so as if cigarette smoking, alcohol abuse, and the opiate epidemic were not harmful enough to society, 
we now see the forces of evil pushing like legalization of recreational marijuana. <laughs> oh my God. Which is like so safe and so much safer. Like he, he says there's a problem with opiates yet. He's like against marijuana. Exactly. Which is like the, I'm doing air quote, like drug that doesn't cause any. Like I know. I know. So annoying. To come back to our advertising analogy, Stone Cold Sober is ultimately joy and happiness. And in many cases, party, as in alcohol party, is ultimately grief <laughs> and misery. What kind of party was that? Which type? I, I got lost. Alcohol party, alcohol party. Oh, alcohol, uh, that's right. Uh, party. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, he's, yeah, he's just reiterating there that if you drink alcohol, you will experience grief and misery and stone cold sober is joy. I mean, every time you say stone cold sober, I just immediately think of stone cold Steve Austin. Is that a (laughs) wrestler? (laughs) Someone needs to make that a meme. Let's see stone cold Steve Austin at BYU (laughs) partying. I'm going to take a picture later, listeners, and I'm going to put it on Instagram. I currently am looking at my corner of bottle collections, and I have, like, eight beer bottles, a bottle of wine, and three empty Coke bottles. So it's, like, literally Mormon hell. (laughs) An alcohol party, guys. Alcohol and Coke party is what I had this past weekend. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'll take a picture and send that later, or put you've it on. you dece- If you had any fun when you did that, you were deceived by Lucifer. So you know, <laughs> it was actually it was not fun. Not a stone actually- cold experience. Yeah, you were not. You don't know what you were feeling. It was not happiness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this, he gets into his second example. <clears throat> Family choices follow a similar pattern. In the father's plan, the role of families is clearly set forth. The family, a proclamation to the world, we read. The family is ordained of God. Marriage between man and a woman is essential to his eternal plan. Children are entitled to birth within the bonds of matrimony and to be reared by a father and a mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelity. Happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Uh, Which I think everyone knows how I feel about the family of proclamation, but it's just like so homophobic and exactly. And it's like saying that anyone who doesn't have a family like that is like, can't achieve happiness. Uh, no. Yep. And then it's also just putting so much pressure on, you know, even the Mormons who do marry, like heterosexual couples, I'm doing the air quote, um, who marry to have kids right away, like start a yeah, yeah. family. And ugh, you know. yeah, it is fairly common in today's world <laughs> in another paradigm shift. Oh, <laughs> I hate yeah. him so much. <laughs> It's common to trumpet alternative choices in a positive way that are in direct conflict with this plan and that are unfavorable to marriage and family. Let me mention a few. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this, Sarah? Are you oh, ready gosh. to pull your fucking hair out? Okay. Oh, I'm ready. 
The choice for both women and men to put education and careers ahead of marriage and family. Oh, my God. Like, this is 2017, and he's saying that you should get married and have kids before you finish your education and get a career. Like, it's sinful if you don't. That... Uh, I don't even know how to begin with that. Like, that was something I always struggled with since I was, like, 12 in the church. I did not understand why God would want you to not focus on yourself a bit before getting married and having kids. Or, like, especially for women. I was like, but but why wouldn't God want me to, like, pursue my dreams? Whether that's going to college, whether that's going straight into my career, either way. Like, why? I just, I couldn't understand it. Apparently God is, like, a sexist, selfish asshole. (laughs) Mormon God, anyway. (laughs) And we've talked about this before, too. It's, like, this is why so many Mormons, especially in, like, Utah Valley, like, they play house. They don't even understand what a real concept of life is. I mean, I'm fucking 31 and I still... I'm like, oh, that's growing up. That's part of adulting, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But these people, like these, these children, they're babies. They get married at like 19, 20 and are like, okay, we got to get married right now. I need to buy you a house. I need to buy like da-da-da, go into either crazy amount of debt or their parents are just paying for everything. So they have mm-hmm. no concept of what reality is. They're just playing house. And then they have a baby Almost immediately when they're still like in their second year of college or whatever they're doing. It's so insane to me. Mm hmm. No, me too. Yeah. I just have never been on board with that at all. Me neither. Here's the second one the choice to purposefully have no or few children or to terminate pregnancy when it's inconvenient. So if you choose to not have children, you're helping Satan. You're deceived by Satan. And if you terminate pregnancy, for any reason, I guess, you're on Satan's side. Which, like, what the hell? Like, who is he to tell people? I mean, I guess he's an apostle, but (laughs) to tell people how many children they're supposed to have. I love how he says, or few children, like you're supposed to have a lot of children. Like, what if you can't? Oh, the earth is already populated enough. We don't need like fucking. Okay, you know what? I would have respect even a little bit. I still don't think it's okay that he's like trying to put pressure on any couple to have kids because you know what? It's their choice. They don't have to have kids if they don't want to have kids. Like. Not a big deal. But if you're going to do that, then at least fucking be like, adopt. You know what I mean? No. Or, like, no, but all he's this- talking about it like it's God's plan. Like, it, they have to because this is what God wants. It's not like he's giving them an option. Yeah. And I know, but why doesn't he ever bring up adoption? I don't. Instead don't of just, know. like, continuously adding more babies to the earth that, like, oh, I just can't. I don't I don't even know what to say. I just dislike him so much. I, yeah. And and imagine the poor Mormons hearing this who can't have children. Exactly. Or me who was, like, getting up in age, you know, when I was, like, 20. I left when I was 29, 28, 29. And I remember, like, being in full-on panic mode constantly. Like, 
I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, my eggs are gonna be like dust by the time I have kids. Like I get married and I'm not gonna be able to have kids. And there's so much pressure. It's like a time crunch and blah 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 blah. And now that I've left, I'm just like, meh. Like there's not this pressure. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Of course, I'm 31, but like if I want to have kids eventually, I can. That's still an option. If I don't want to, that's also okay. Like, right. there's no pressure. The when I was in the Mormon church, you probably felt this too. It, you didn't really have a choice. It wasn't like a choice of, do you want to have children when you grow up? It was like, you are going to have children. You're going to be a mother. Exactly. And I personally, I don't want children and I never have. And I, people would always say, oh, you will, you know, you will when you're older. And it's like, it's talk like this, especially when it's coming, coming from someone who's supposedly so close to God that makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. It, like, for me personally, like, I don't really have that maternal instinct. And so you think, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I want to do this thing that God mm. made me to do? So. Exactly. Or it's even, like, so, uh, yeah. Just to kind of go off that, like, I think it's on both sides exactly what you're saying. Like, women who maybe just don't have that maternal instinct or who just have never had that desire. Like, there's so much judgment placed on them for that. But then it's also the other side where, like, maybe you do have a maternal instinct and you're really good with kids. And, yeah, of course, like, I I love being around kids. But at the same time, I feel like that's even more – not more, but, like – it's pressure on me, like, oh, but you're so good with kids, oh, like, you're so, yeah. like, you're so motherly, <laughs> like, kids just respond to you, and it was so much pressure, like, oh, my God, that's my calling in life, and, like, kids do respond to me really well, and, like, I'm really good with them, and blah, blah, blah that I, I'm gonna be the best, like, that's my sole purpose in life, is to be a mother, and so when it wasn't happening, like, when I wasn't getting married in the Mormon church, and, like, you know, talk the time and clock where it was just ticking. I was like, I'm not fulfilling my only purpose on earth yeah. right now. Ugh. Makes me mad. I know. It's crazy to think about, but yeah. Okay. So his third one he mentions is the choice to engage in immoral conduct as a substitute for the sacred institution of marriage. So Basically what we're doing, Sarah. We have sex and we're not married. <laughs> it's, yeah, this is unfav- unfavorable in God's eyes. But Is it Quentin? Because it's damn favorable in my eyes. Me too. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> also, we've talked about this before. We talked about it with Haley last, last uh, week. Like, have sex before you're married to know what you like. <laughs> exactly. Like, hmm. guys, I know I've said this, like, a thousand times, but I really, honest to God, cannot imagine, now that I've, now that I've chosen the dark path, I can't imagine being a Mormon and getting married as a virgin and not ever having sex or any type of sexual experience before that. Like, I... Yeah. I know myself well enough to know, with, and I'm not knocking people who are listening and who did get married to someone and they never had sex other than their partner now, like that's, that's great. And that's fine. I'm not disrespecting anyone who has done that because that works for you. But I know myself personally and I know that what I know now, I would a hundred percent have regretted that in that marriage. Like I would have been like, I really wish I would have 
just try it a bit more before settling with one person for the rest of my life. No matter how much I love them, I'm just a very sexually curious person. And so I I think that would eventually become an issue of resentment almost, oh, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, luckily he didn't get <laughs> stuck in that, but that would have been horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly if you don't know if you're even sexually compatible, because then I also think again, I mean, granted my experiences were different. Like I, you know, before my boyfriend, it wasn't guys who I actually like loved or whatever. So maybe that's the difference. But I can also imagine like if you only know someone for five weeks or six weeks or seven weeks, and then you get married and have sex with them. Like that's an awkward, it's just awkward. Like it's like a one night stand almost. (laughs) Like it's just a, but then yeah. you're you're stuck to each other. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for for stories like Haley and her husband. I'm glad to hear that that yeah. wasn't the case for them. Um, yeah. But for others, I feel like maybe that. I mean, I guess I've said before I've had friends who are Mormons who have mentioned that like they really wish they would have had sex with other people before. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. The adversary has targeted women and has painted motherhood as a dead-end road of drudgery. Ugh. Like, okay, I'm sorry. If you don't want to have kids, if you don't want to be a mother, it's not because Satan is, like, targeting you and painting it that way. That's just how you feel, and that's totally valid. (laughs) Exactly, and it's also unfair to put that pressure on someone. What if someone... Like, a woman, just because she's a woman doesn't mean she's inherently going to be this amazing mother with motherly instincts. And that's unfair to put a lot of pressure on women who don't feel that way because it's also it's shit for the kid. You know, not to say that they're going to have a horrible upbringing, but it's also kind of like, but why? (laughs) Like, if it's not necessary and they don't want kids and they feel pressure to have kids there's always this element, I would think, of resentment as well. Like, I didn't want to have kids. I had kids because the Mormon church forced me to. Like, I'm not really good with this whole thing. I can't provide to my children the level that they might need, whatever. Like, people have personal reasons for maybe not wanting to have kids, you know? Or they physically can't. And that's just, like, a whole other, you know, issue of trauma for the person going through that and having to be reminded constantly that they aren't living up to God's expectations and will, you know? God, get out of here. Let me make my decisions. (laughs) The alienation. Oh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I also love that, like, he says that Satan is attacking, or the adversary is attacking women. It's like, no, bitch, your church is attacking women. (laughs) That is who is attacking women. Mic drop. drop. (laughs) Okay, this next sentence, or a little, oh, it's, it's just crazy. The alienation and objectification of pornography is an example of immoral conduct being substituted for the sacred institution of marriage. It underscores the horrific turning from truth and righteousness that the adversary seeks. Like, what the hell? Like, okay, that, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> what? He's, uh, they, you know, we all know that they hate porn, so that's, that's no surprise, but whatever. Get over it. Everyone oh. watches porn. Meh. 
Okay, inappropriate alternative choices are painted as appropriate in helping to achieve the worldly goals of freedom and equality. So basically, the (laughs) freedom and equality are worldly goals goals that are inappropriate. (laughs) Jesus. That sounds about right, though, for Mormon Church. It's like, yeah. As a result of such choices, the average number of children a woman will bear in her lifetime is declining dramatically, as if that's a bad thing. Oh, my God. So she's <laughs> not having six. She's now having four. Thank you, <laughs> Church of Satan, for doing that. <laughs> it is estimated that 46% of the world lives in countries in which the fertility rate is below 2.1 children, the rate necessary for the population to remain stable. Most European and Asian countries are below this level. Go Asia and Europe. Yay. Also, <laughs> hashtag Handmaid's Tale. Calm down, Quinn. Seriously, like, he's like freaking out about like all making like forcing women to have babies. It's uh-huh. crazy. Italy and Japan are at about 1.3 births. Japan is expected to decrease in population from 120 million to about 100 million by the year 2050. This worldwide decline in population has been described by some as the demographic winter. Many countries are not having enough children to replace the generation that is dying. Uh, this man literally thinks that we're not having enough kids. Why? Like, and also, I can't believe I ever listened to these people as fact. Like, I've I know. never fact-checked this, this shit ever when I was like, a Mormon. He's uh, telling young, like, BYU students this crap and convincing them that they need to have as many children as possible because otherwise, like the world population is going to dwindle into nothing. Like that's a total lie. (laughs) But also I just want to be like, okay, Quinn, I want to send you a letter and be like, you're forcing all of these young, like naive couples who are children to have kids. Does that mean also the church is going to support them? Are you going to fucking give them money to like raise these kids in this world? Like, yeah. (sighs) Okay. Now we're moving on to a very, This is just, I won't even, you'll see. Let me share one other reality that is of great concern to me. I had a sobering experience in Jerusalem last October. We visited the Children's Memorial, which is part of the World Holocaust Remembrance Center. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, Jeff Holland, just saying. (laughs) Elder Jeff Holland and I, together with two American Jewish leaders, laid a remembrance wreath. As you move through the children's memorial, the first names of the children and their ages at death are announced one after another with a background of music that portrays this terrible atrocity. It is believed that more than one million Jewish children were killed during the Holocaust. As I experienced the museum, I was overcome with emotion and completely devastated. Standing outside to regain my composure, I reflected on the horror of the experience and suddenly realized that in the United States alone, there are as many abortions every two years as the number of Jewish children killed in the Holocaust. <gasps> Guys, what? I, he did like, not I, make that if, comparison. Like, if I, this, that statement enraged me, and I'm not, like I've said before, I feel like I'm very 
anti-violence, but I feel like I would punch him in the face if I heard him say that. Well, I am speechless. Like, that, that is absolutely that is so... horrific for him to make that comparison. Like, well, absolutely it, horrific. It's completely dismissive to both groups. Like, it's dismissive to women who have had these abortions, not even taking into consideration why it happened. Right. Or what trauma has caused them. And then it completely dismisses the Holocaust in general. Like, the oh, people, I what know. they went through. And those, and were those, children that were, those were children that were outside of the womb. Like, it's a whole different thing. That's not even, that's not the same thing as if a woman has, like, aborts, you know, like, a fetus or even just little cells that have started to develop in her body. Or even if it does have to be a late-term abortion, for whatever reason, like... It's not the same thing as a human child living on its own outside of the womb. Like, that's not the same. Oh. And it just, like, it makes me sick. Like, I feel sick. This guy oh. is an asshole. And I, I bet you, but you know what? I think I've seen, like, extreme Christians on my Facebook post something similar to that. Like. Something along the same lines where I'm just like, oh, I want to just comp. But it's like when you you try to educate people on stuff like that or just call out the fact that it's just highly dismissive and horrible. Like, it's just a horrible thing. They can't see it. Like, there's no oh. point in even trying to engage with and people. It makes, me that sad. it makes me sad that they can't see it because to me it just seems like basic human decency to not yeah. do that. Yeah. bringing children into the world is a sacred part of our father in heaven's plan of happiness we are so numbed and intimidated by the immensity of the practice of abortion that many of us have pushed it to the back of our minds to try to keep it out of our consciousness clearly the adversary is attacking the value of children on many levels oh my god (sighs) Abortion needs to be approached very carefully. This is a problem that will probably not be solved by personal condemnation or judgmental accusations. Oh, okay, because what you said just wasn't. mm. Some have cautioned to not judge a ship or men or women without understanding the length of the voyage and storms encountered. But I might add, many who engage in this deplorable conduct do not have a testimony of the Savior or knowledge of the Father's plan. Oh, my God. So, like, just he, just like got done, he just got done saying, like, don't, like, condemn them or give judgmental accusations. And then he says that people who get abortions or, you know, give abortions are deplorable and don't have a testimony. <laughs> but don't judge them. Don't don't say that, but think it. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Um, Yikes. Let's see how much longer we have of this. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a long one because I talked for 30 minutes about the no, bitty details. Okay. There's just parts where he talks more about, like, how the family is disintegrating and it's because, um, like, some people don't choose to get married. He talks about that. And some people don't choose to not have children. And he talks about, like, how you need to pay tithing, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and um, just finishes off with saying that Lucifer's objective is to undermine the, fo- the father's plan. And to basically, like, just 
yeah, follow what they say, do what they say, because what you think makes you happy doesn't really make you happy. It's what we say makes you happy. And don't go to alcohol parties. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start calling them that from now on. Like, anytime I have a party, I'll be like, oh, but it's an an alcohol party. Yeah, just so you know, this is an alcohol party, so... (laughs) You can use your own judgment there. <laughs> so, yeah, readers or listeners, if you want to read it all, you can go read it. But I won't read the rest just because we're over on time. But the, I got to the main points, and I think that they were very gross. But it's good to point out what the leaders are teaching people. And, like, just, yeah, members, like, soak this soak this up, and they believe it. Like, because we did, so we know and that's yeah, really scary that they're believing this shit. Especially young. I mean, I remember. Sorry, I'm being extra lazy and just like I have the mic resting on my tits right now. So it's not very loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember the BYU devotionals where like it was so much pressure for you to go. Because if you didn't, it was like judged like, why aren't you going? Like mm-hmm. you should want to see the prophet and apostles speak. And and then feeling just so, like, brainwashed. Like, I, I went to a few and remember thinking, like, whatever they say is 100% true. And it was always about getting married. Oh, Somehow, God. even if they were like, oh, today's devotional is about faith or about scriptures or whatever. Somehow they tied it into finding your eternal companion and getting married. So you would leave every time, and in my case, feeling like a such a failure and like oh I guess I need to go on like a stricter diet or work out more because that's why I'm not married right now it's all because Uh of my physical looks and because I'm not righteous enough I need to like go read my scriptures more and go to the temple more and pay tithing more and blah 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 blah. like it was like this constant feeling that you're not enough because you weren't married or having 10 kids before you're 22 you know yeah ugh, I hate that I hate that. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks for sticking with us, listeners. That was a good one. Thanks for that. I know it was a long one. We've been trying to just do 40-minute ones, but sorry. We We just wanted to chat a little bit, you know. (laughs) We just miss you guys so much, and we have so much to say. Do you have – okay, are are we going to say a closing prayer? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm not very creative today I think you'll have to pray to Celestial Jesus Because I can't oh, Yeah what are we going to say Dear Celestial Jesus um, Let's what, I want to say something about babies <laughs> okay, Bless my I'm doing air quotes Mormon dusty eggs right now That they may <laughs> one day Be fertilized and procreate the earth Because of all of these countries who are going to have a diminishing birth rate. Please yeah. help me to help them. Let's put it all on, on Sarah. Let's let's give <laughs> Sarah all of the fertility. Yes, pray there we go. Uterus, guys, <laughs> but also <laughs> really pray for it because I start my period this weekend. So pray for my uterus. Oh, yes. Okay. Also, Celestial Jesus, bless Sarah's uterus. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Say hi to Emma Smith for me. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.